Well, I wasn't supposed to be here this morning. <laughs> and I won't tell you, uh, I wasn't supposed to be here this morning. I was supposed to be in Guatemala this morning. Boy, that was hard. That was a moment sitting there realizing that I'm not going to get to get on. Like they told me the plane's already taken off from the gate and you're too late because I was dealing with things on the phone and trying to get a ticket straightened out for my son. And mom barely made it on the plane, but they told me they were like, it's, they've already closed the door, they've already pulled off of the gate and are headed to the runway. It's, it's too late, and I realized then that wasn't going to happen. And man, that was a tough little ride home, you know, you get a little disappointed and all that kind of stuff, but then the Lord started kind of dealing with me a little bit and all just kind of like maybe I got a different plan than you do. <laughs> maybe you got your plan and I got mine and mine might be better than yours or whatever. And I was like, okay, all right. So I started asking him questions because I always talk to the Lord and I always ask him questions. This week I was like, Lord, why? Why wouldn't Ye Jehu, who was named king, why didn't he go all the way? You know, I don't get this. Why didn't he go all the way? Lord, why is it that Judas Iscariot was one of the 12 the whole time and you knew? Lord, why is it that the sheep... And the goats are mixed together in the field and have to be separated. Why is it that the tares come up with the wheat? Why, why are these things? You know, I, I don't get it. You know, I sit there and look at, at Jehu. He's told, you're going you're gonna to be a king, and I want to establish you as king over Israel. That, that your generations will be king over Israel. And he says, and this is what I need you to do. You go kill the entire house of Ahab. You get rid of all that. Everything that's been established by Ahab, all his sons, wipe them out. Get rid of the, everything that was part of that mess that took place. He says, and uh, you follow me and you serve me only. You just let me be your, your only God. And, and oh, Jehu, see, this is one of four messages, and then he tells me this morning, I meant for you to just share all of them, so I'm going to go ahead and hit all of them. All right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You get, you get and you're like, oh, all right, I see where you're going here now, Lord. I see where you're going, and then all of a sudden he's like, no, all of it. So, Brian, he's, what he said was, Jehu, you go kill every one of them. You don't have none of them left. They all need to die, every last one of them, because there's nothing good ever going to come out of that people again. There's nothing good in them. They have fallen to the place that they worship the Baals. They go in there and they worship Baal, right? They've made him God in their life, and all the sons of them. So you, go, you just wipe them out, completely out of my people, separate them, right? He says, then you just serve me and just, just only serve me. And, and so he goes and he, I mean, he wipes them out. And then he goes in there to, the, to that uh, altar of Baal and he destroys it, scatters it. I mean, there's nothing left to it. And it says, and yet God was just not pleased with him because the one thing he didn't do was those people had started worshiping these uh, images of, of uh, calves, one on one mountain, one on another mountain, not in Jerusalem. They weren't worshiping God in Jerusalem. They began to worship these images years before, many years before, back when, when Jeroboam was king. They had started that. And instead of him just wiping all the false gods out, he wipes out Baal and he wipes out all of Ahab's family who's brought in all this Baal worship and stuff like that. 
but he doesn't go deal with the original problems. And because of that, it says later on that he began to take part in the worshiping up there. And so God, seeing all the good he had done, said, look, I'm going to give you a few generations of, of kings out of you, but you're not going to be forever. You're, you're not going to sit on the throne forever. You're not well-pleasing in my sight, right? And I was like, why didn't he want to go all the way? Why did he only want to go part of the way with God? It just didn't make any sense to me. What, what, what happens to get a person to where they start out and they're just, yes, and I'm going to give all my life to God and I'm going to serve him and he's going to be my only God. And then by the end, they're back off in a mess. How does that happen that they don't go all the way? I was asking God questions like this this week, you know, so hopefully we get to the answer to all of it. By the time I get through here this morning, we know we have an answer because we need to know. And I hope I don't cry like I did last time. I'm telling you what, I know I cried a bunch last time I was up here preaching, and I'm hoping the Lord doesn't embarrass me in front of all of you. But he might, and it'll be all right, okay? So turn with me to Second Peter chapter 2. Everybody, just a second. Second Peter chapter two, and we're going to start there in, in verse one. I was telling some of these young lines, or I was talking with some of these young lines around here on Friday, and uh, anyway, I was talking to them about how it often happens that there's false prophets and teachers shows up. It says, there were indeed false prophets among the people. Who, when is he talking about there? Old Testament. All them kings. So there was all these prophets of Baal back then. There were prophets who claimed to be prophets of God. There were all kinds of false prophets back then. It says, there were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. And I noticed the word will there. I always like will. I used to read this and say, boy, they sure had it bad back in them days. Man, they used to have some false teachers around them and false prophets. No, it says there will be around you. Around you. You might want to get a little suspicious when you read something like that. Like, well, I wonder who that is. Right? Kind of get to thinking on that. Because we're going to probably identify kind of what they look like a little bit here in just a few seconds. And you might then automatically know some of your false teachers, right? All right. It says there will there'll be uh, false teachers among you, and they'll bring in destructive heresies even denying the master who, who bought them and will bring swift destruction upon, on themselves. You know, Titus tells us in uh, chapter 1 that uh, by their deeds they deny him. It says, although they profess to know God, by their deeds they deny him being detestable and disobedient, right? No good for anything. So they may claim to know God by their mouth, but their deeds will be what proves <laughs> that they're false. It says uh, they'll bring destructive heresies. What's that? Yeah, man, I'm a Christian too. Hey, you want to go over here and smoke a bowl? Man, ain't no big deal. Hey, we're just a couple buddies, man. Look, they drank in the Bible. It's hard if we have a couple beers each, man. God ain't going to mind. Let's just go on and 
So then all of a sudden, your buddy is your false teacher, and he's leading you astray with his destructive heresy that leads you away from the, from the path. Right? Ain't nothing wrong with this. It's all a good time. It says, uh, and it brings swift destruction, meaning what was started good in you, all of a sudden just gets torn completely down and on them too. Many will follow their depraved ways. You got to ask yourself, what am I following? What do I excuse myself for? Many will follow their depraved ways and the way of the truth will be maligned. They won't be able to quite see it. You know, Rock and roll has told us that there's a small little stairway to heaven and that there is a highway to hell. I want you to know they were right. And you'll be looking for that stairway and you keep listening to that music and you'll find you a highway. I'm just telling you. All right. I'm trying to be fun. <laughs> The many will follow their depraved ways. Jesus said, I'm the way. And they say, no, let me show you a different way. Let me show you a, a different picture of God. Here's a different avenue. If you eat of this fruit, Eve, God knows in the day that you eat of it, you'll be like him. Knowing good from evil, you'll be just like him. And so all of a sudden, she gets a whole different image. God, God's holding back on me. Right? That's what your false teacher begins to convince you of, is, is he's holding back. You, you, can, you can still do all this. It's, he knows you're already born again. You've already got it all. Why, you are the kingdom of God. You are a, whole, a royal priesthood right now. You can't really lose that. And they begin to lead you astray. They will exploit you in their greed with made-up stories. Their condemnation pronounced long ago is not idle, and their destruction does not sleep, meaning the wrath of God's coming for them. For the sons of disobedience, by the way. Did you know the sons of disobedience and the sons of obedience, they sort of grow up in the same house? They will. That's why he said, I'm going to have to separate the sheep from the goats. Right? For if God did not spare angels who sinned but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for judgment. So there was one time God judged entire groups of angels. Okay? And it says, uh, and if he didn't spare the ancient world, but protected Noah. I want y'all to know that the entire earth was full of folks, and only eight people survived the judgment of God that came that day. Did y'all know there's another judgment coming? Only eight people survived then. By the way, only two who were brought out of Egypt made it into the promised land. Did y'all know that? Only two made it into the promised land out of the hundreds of thousands, possibly millions, that came out of Egypt when he was saving those people and taking them to the promised land, only two of them got to actually go in and enter into that land. So God can do it without the biggest crowd. He can do it with just the few who make it up the stairway and uh, the ones who decide they want to go down the highway to hell. He's got a plan for them too. There's a plan for their life. And it's eternal. They will live forever in that plan. All right. 
And if he didn't spare the ancient world, but, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, when he brought the flood on the world of the ungodly, and if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to extinction, when Abraham was pleading, saying, if there's at least 10 righteous folks there, you'd save the whole city, wouldn't you? If we could just find 10 in the bunch, there wasn't 10 there. Lot and his youngins got out. His wife didn't even get to survive the whole thing. Making them an example of what is coming to the ungodly. And if he rescued the righteous Lot, distressed by the depraved behavior of the immoral, for as that righteous man lived among them day by day, his righteous soul was tormented by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Y'all understand that the unrighteous, they're under punishment? They may not know it. They, they, they may not fully understand it, but I can tell you now the wrath of God's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. It is revealed. And they, get, they build up big houses and hoard everything they can and, and try to make themselves look happy. And deep down inside, they're miserable. They're a wreck because their life was not built on the solid rock who is Jesus Christ. They are being destroyed. And you will see it in their marriages. They become a wreck. Their marriages are just because when you get two selfish people living together, I promise you, it will wind up a mess. It's going to. And you see it in their children. Because when selfish people raise children, you know what they raise? Self-centered children. And I'll tell you now, as evil as the parents were, the next generation gets worse. That's the one thing we saw with Solomon. When Solomon decided that he was going to disobey God, every generation for generations to come of kings who rose up to lead the people was more wicked than the last. That's how it goes. And so the wrath of God's all over them. And they can't find anything, every pleasure in the world, and nothing can make them happy. Nothing can make that person happy. They go and they, they say, well, maybe this will work. And they start smoking a little dope right here, right? And they start thinking to themselves, I just can't deal with this day. I need to do something. See, they got no peace within them. The wrath of God, the first thing you need to understand is a person who's under wrath has no peace of God in their life. The peace of God passes all understanding. Jesus becomes peace for every man, right? So when a person has no peace, they start looking for peace, right? And the next thing you know, they're over there and they're smoking a joint. Next thing you know, I need, I need a couple of drinks just to deal with the way I feel. See, it's the wrath of God all over them. It's just destroying them. It eats at them, eats them from the inside. Next thing you know, the whole unforgiveness is all there. They at war, they, they completely just hate certain people. I can't stand him. Now all the bitterness and all the root of bitterness is coming out of them, right? See, this is how a person gets it. Right? And they see it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Okay? Because they don't come all the way with God. They came down, they say a little prayer, and the next thing you know, they're listening to their false teaching buddies who say, I go to church over here, or I go to church with you, or whatever, and let's, let's get back into this. And they wind up in a worse mess than they were ever even in before because now they've added God to their wickedness. So instead of God being the only God in their life, now they have this. I need this for my peace. No, Jesus wants to be your peace. And when you go to these things to become your peace, I want you to know you fully reject Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When I go to alcohol, 
for my peace, I want you to know I fully reject him. When I'm doing drugs, just so I don't have to feel this right now, I want you to know I am fully rejecting, saying, God, you can't give me peace. You don't even understand me, God. I need this for my peace. And you lie to yourself. Your own personal antichrist has come up. Your beast mind, the mind of a beast that cannot deny himself begins to come up inside of you and take control. And it wants to destroy you. Its plans are for your destruction. Satan, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. I want you to know, if you don't know how to resist the devil, then he, he, he will get you. He's got you. So here we go. It says... And if he didn't, and if he rescued righteous Lot, distressed by the depraved behavior of the immoral, for as that righteous man lived among them day by day, his righteous soul was tormented. See, you get around these folks, it's going to begin to get on you. By the lawless deeds he saw and heard becomes normal. See, if I listen to a lot of cussing, you know it starts sounding pretty normal, right? If I keep watching perverse things on television, it starts seeming kind of normal, right? Like, well, I, I don't see nothing wrong with that. I mean, come on. It's just everybody watches TV, and so I just keep watching it. And I keep sitting there in it, and the next thing you know, I'm sitting there and I'm watching two men kiss each other on television and not thinking twice about it, right? Next thing you know, I'm sitting there watching all kinds of just garbage, filth come in, right? It all comes from, from this. You just let your righteous soul start getting vexed by hanging out and spending time with wicked folks. I'll tell you, you'll get, you'll get caught up in their sin. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from his trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Y'all know there is that day coming, right? We do have that one around here that we've, we've taught that pretty heavily. There is a day coming at which everyone will stand before the maker. They will stand before God. He's going to separate them. The wicked are going to go one way. Everybody's going to live for eternity. Everybody. Jesus defeated death once and for all. That's for everybody. Jesus defeated death, right? That, that was the promise when he came is that he was going to defeat death. It's defeated. But I want you to know there's still judgment coming and one group of people is going to live for eternity with him and the other group of people is going to live in outer darkness in the lake of fire where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm dieth not, right? That's the judgment that is coming. And the Lord, he knows how to keep the ungodly for that day, and he knows how to save the righteous for that day. Amen? It says, uh, it says uh, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority, Bold, arrogant people, they are not afraid to slander the glorious ones. However, angels who are greater than them in power don't bring slanderous charge against them before the Lord. But these people are like irrational animals. There's your beast, mine. You just want to understand the, the beast, the mark of the beast? An irrational animal goes after his own desires He's got him a mind of a beast. He can't control himself. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Can't turn down, can't turn, man, they're having a party here. I can't go disappoint my friend. Can't turn down, can't, can't turn down a woman. Can't turn down a, 
right? You see, I can come to God and I can ask him to deliver me from something, right? There's a certain point at which I'm going to have to resist the devil, right? I can ask him, Lord, I need your help. I need you to help me, set me free, get me free. Ask and it'll be given until you seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be open to you, right? Those things will happen, but there's a certain point at which I have to resist the devil. I have to say, I'm not going to go down this road again. And there's going to be a battle going on on the inside, right? I want freedom. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to be completely sold out to him. Then I've got to, I have got to resist the devil. Take every thought captive into obedience, right? When that thought's popping up, you know you want this. You know you want this. I'm telling you what. You can't go part way. God, I just want you to deliver me from this, but don't deliver me from this. I mean, Lord, I, I don't want to be free basing cocaine. So I'm asking you for help here. Probably don't need to be drinking either. But Lord, don't deal with my chewing or my smoking. Lord, I mean, don't don't go dealing don't go dealing with my other addictions. I ain't really wanting to give them up yet. Right? You see, if you want to be free, you gotta be free indeed. That's free from it all. Free from everything. You either come to him with everything or you're going to be like Jehu and just go part way. You get a little bit of it out of you, but it ain't really gone. I can tell you this. Addiction is like this. Addiction is like a big, large claw that's wrapped around somebody's heart. You can pry a finger free and the person thinks they got some freedom. But as long as they let those other fingers hold on to their heart, I can go ahead and tell you now that in a minute, it's going to get to squeezing, and it's going to get that other finger back on there. So you can say, well, Lord... I know I'm wrong. I need to let all this stuff go. I know I need to come to you and seek you. You're the only one who can set me free from all this. And I know that you're the only one who can bring peace in my life when I'm dealing with those stressful moments. Now, I'm not telling you as someone who's never done anything. I want you to know I used to be addicted just like many of you. You used to hide it. Did you know you can't quit anything that you hide? If you're hiding addiction, if you're hiding your drinking, if you're hiding your drugs, if you're hiding your smoking, if you're hiding your weed, out and, you're, you're, and you're lying about it, you cannot quit it. It's impossible. You first have to get honest, right? You first have to just get honest and say, I got a problem and I need help. See, a person who won't, come and ask for help, they won't get no help. There's no help for them. I'm too embarrassed. I wouldn't want them folks to know what all I've been doing. I went down there and prayed that prayer that Sunday, and, boy, I'd hate for them people to know that I'm still dealing with this. And see, oh, pride, it'll just begin to rise up in you. Shame, it'll begin to rise up in you, and it'll keep you from doing what God wants you to do. You won't get on your face before God and seek him and ask him for help because you say, well, I got it all that day. And that old pride just tearing at you. And it lets you stay hooked, bound up in it. Bound up in it. I ain't even got, I'm, man, I'm eating time, man. I ain't even got to the good stuff yet. <sighs> I want you to know that I'm, I'm actually here to pick a fight today with the devil a little bit. Maybe with your devil, if you got any. 
wanting to just poke at it a little bit. Irrational animals, creatures of instinct. This is what I know to do. Born to be caught and destroyed. That's your beast. That's your beast mind. Mark of the beast, right? Right hand, my deeds. Forehead, what I think. So if I'm thinking and I'm doing this stuff, this evil, I know it's against God's will. I bow down and I worship. I say, you are right. I need you. The same way Eve believed the devil that day, Satan, that serpent in the garden, the same way when he says, you surely shall not die, so the mind of the beast believes it's okay, God understands me, and he allows this for me. See, that's what the devil wants to teach you. And that's what your false prophet wants to teach you. That's what the Antichrist spirit within you wants to teach you, is to believe a lie, to see God in a different light, and to see yourself in a different light. And to say, it's all right. We got it all together. Everything's okay here. Nothing to see here. Hide it. Never let them see you sweat. Right? Isn't that the right guard commercial? Never let them see you sweat. While you sit there and you're tormented, the wrath of God's revealed all in your life. And you can't figure out why it is that you get paid on Friday and come Monday, you ain't got a dollar left in the bank. I don't know what happened. And just eat up. The devil's just eating you. He's destroying you. But I go to church on Sunday, put a little something in the plate. But I'm in the bar come Friday night. I don't want them good folks down there at the church to know about that. See, some people are not the same person on Sunday as they are on Friday night as soon as they've got that paycheck. All of a sudden, they got different priorities. Come Sunday morning, they back down there trying to figure it all out again. And they never begin to grow in the Lord. Things just begin to get worse and worse. And now they're sitting on their second marriage and their third marriage because they've been hiding it, because they've been lying, because they're still self-centered, because they did not allow Jesus Christ to come into their life and change them. Whew, this is going a whole different direction than I was thinking we were going. <laughs> this is... Uh, Bold, arrogant people, they are not afraid to slander the glorious ones. However, angels who are greater and mightier in power do not bring slanderous charges against them before the Lord. But these people are like irrational animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed. They slander what they don't even understand. Them folks down there at the church, you know, they just high and mighty down there. They just hold their head up, you know. I can't stand those folks. They just start slandering them. You don't understand. They ain't holding up. You know that Jason lives by standard. Some of y'all may not know him very well, but Jason lives by standard. Everything is trying to lean towards obedience to Christ. Does he make it every day? Maybe not. But I'll tell you, he ain't got but one standard in life, and that is, Lord, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you. I want to be obedient in everything to you, right? That's the standard he has set for himself every day. And folks will sit there and say, well, I don't know. He just thinks he's uppity or something. And I'm sitting there like you have no clue what you're even talking about. You have never been around him. If you had, you'd know. He loves you. 
Anyway, it says, uh, they'll be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. They consider it pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. That's to go party in there in the day, right? They are spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery that never stop to looking for sin. That's, you might be one of these people, or you might know some of these people. Avoid these folks. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed. They're children under a curse. That's the sons of disobedience. They have gone astray by abandoning the straight path and have followed the path of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of wickedness, but received rebuke for his lawlessness. What did he do? He taught, he taught how to get folks to sin. He says, look, I can't put a curse on these folks, but let me tell you, if we do this around them enough, they'll get involved. And he calls the people to be cursed. Put that stumbling block in front of them. He says, these people, verse, uh, looks like 17, these people are springs without water, mist driven by a storm. The gloom of darkness has been reserved for them, for by uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery. People who have barely escaped, that's who they're out seducing, those who are just coming to the Lord. They're trying to get them, hey, come over and spend some time with us. We'll get you back on the way. They promise them freedom. You're going to get free. We're going to show you what true freedom is. While they themselves are slaves of corruption. They promise, yeah, it'll all get, I mean, let's, and they promise them freedom. You don't want to get bound up underneath religion. They tell them that. They start with that. You don't get bound up underneath religion, following that Bible and all that stuff all the time. That'll get you all bound up. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. For if having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord, that's how you escape, by the way, the impurity of the world, the sinfulness, right? It's through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are again entangled in these things and defeated the last state is worse for them than the first. It's worse. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a washed sow returns to wallowing in the mud. I'm going to tell you, that's where it all heads to, is back to the same old sin. When I don't let God deal with all of it in my life, I wind up right in the same old mess I was in. It says, uh, let's just go on to uh, chapter 3 because it's going to deal with the day of the Lord some here. Dear friends, this is now the second letter I've written to you. In both letters, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder, so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. Above all, beware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires, saying, where is the coming that he's promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. They deliberately overlooked this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water and through water. 
Through these, the world, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. I want you to know Malachi tells us that the day is coming and it's going to burn like a furnace. He's destroyed this earth before with fire. Eight people made it through that day. He's coming back to destroy this entire earth, the ungodly, with fire. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be on that day? Because I'll tell you, those who live in compromise, those who continue on living in the same old sins and never letting God deal with it, never coming to Him. And I, I can tell you, that's a whole lot more than drinking and smoking and chewing and cussing and all that kind of stuff. I can tell you now, He wants to get to the inside and He wants to start dealing with the lying and He wants to start dealing with the unforgiveness, right? He wants to start dealing with all of it. So not just the outward, but even the inward stuff, the greed. And if you're not willing to let him do it, then you're going to be set up for that day. Like a thief, that's what the Bible tells us. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord does not delay in his promise, as some understand delay but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but that all come to repentance. That's his desire. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. You ain't going to know when it's coming, especially if you don't know him. You'll have no idea. You won't be waiting on him. It says, on that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise and the elements will burn and be dissolved and the earth and the work on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness. As you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming, because of that day the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So the ungodly won't dwell, but righteousness will. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight. Does that say that in your Bible? Also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. The fact that he ain't come back yet keeps you from being destroyed at this moment. The fact he ain't showed up gives you time. You got a moment. Just as our dear brother Paul has written to you, according to the wisdom given to him, he speaks about these things in, in, in all his letters. There are some things that's hard to understand in them. The untaught and unstable, they will twist them to their own destruction. They'll start saying, well, it ain't exactly like that. As they do with the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on guard so that you're not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory and honor now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Now we can get to some good stuff. I'm going to do some preaching now. All right. A lot of reading in there. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 12.
Actually, let's go to 14 first, and then we'll go back to 12. Lord did tell me to preach this. Looking in verse 15, Jesus telling a, fixing to tell a parable. When one of those who were reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A man was given a large banquet and invited many. Did you know Jesus invited everybody? At the time of the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those who were invited, Come, because everything is now ready. We got it all here. Everything you need. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a field and I, I must go see to it. I ask you to excuse me. Please consider me excused, God. I know you want me to come in here and partake of your table to get to be a part of your presence to get to know you, to understand you, to be full of the Spirit of God, to live for you. I know you want that, but I got this going on, and this, this is just an inconvenient time. Please consider me excused, God. Another said, I have bought five yoke of ox, and I'm going to go try them out. I mean, I just got this truck. I mean, spent 90000 on it. God, here he is, want me to go with him all the way. Don't he understand I got other priorities? Might be a reason why King Jehu didn't get to be a king forever and that his generations wasn't going to sit on the throne forever. The excuses... says, uh, another said, I just got married. And therefore, I'm just unable to come. I mean, got me a wife. She ain't really interested in church at this time. You know, we're, we're probably going to go somewhere else. We, we found us another little old church. She likes it a little better. I know God was speaking to us down there, but, well... You know, I just took my wife, and I, I, I hate to use her as an excuse preacher. I hate to say that she's the reason we ain't coming. But she's, she, she just don't like, like that kind of thing, you know. All right. Please consider me excused, God. I ain't got no time for you, God. I'm busy doing my own thing, God, while you go to hell. So the servant came back and reported these things. He said they, they, they just kept telling me they can't come. I went out to ask them. Then in anger, the master of the house told the servant, you go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. Master, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, and there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those people who were invited will enjoy my banquet. just a picture of the kingdom of God that's what he was given but my daughter's got softball this weekend I can't be going every week to church no I don't want to be up in there not every week and folks I think I'm one of them no I got other priorities God 
I mean, my family, we all get together. Can't be up in there all the time. I need to work. I need a job, and that job's working on Sundays. When you want me to come and eat, God, I got other things going on. Please consider me excused, God. I mean, be with me. Just understand I ain't with you. I hope I'm preaching today. Now great crowds were traveling with them, so he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother, his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be his disciple. Well, now the Lord I mean, the Ten Commandments says love your father and mother, right? Obey them, right? But I'm going to tell you that if they're your false teacher, if they're your antichrist, and you're going to keep following in their ways, I'll just go ahead and tell you they'll lead you to destruction, and you can let your children do the same thing. You can let your wife, you can let your brother, you can let your sister lead you to the devil. That's what he's getting at here. He says, you better get me as number one. I better be the all in all of your whole life. Everything you're focused on, everything you think about. Quit trying to build yourself a kingdom. Quit trying to make everything better for yourself here. You allow me to be everything. Let me be your peace, right? He says, for which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't sit down first and calculate the cost to see he have enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people who, they start, and we watch them. I've seen it over and over again. They start, they come in, and they want to be the temple for the Lord. They want to come to him, but they ain't able to finish because they didn't calculate, I'm going to have to give all this up too. To go all the way with God, I'm going to actually have to stop these things in my life. Here we go. What king going to war against another king will not sit down and decide if he's able to with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. (laughs) What do you do with that one? So... I can't save myself. I realize that everything I got has no ability to save me on the day when the great king comes to judge. So while I'm far off, I recognize that I'm supposed to calculate, I will be destroyed. Let me go seek terms of peace with him. So I cry out, hey, we would love to have peace. He says, and bow to me. That's Jesus, right? Well, I'm far off. I have to sit there and realize I I want to have that peace with him. And it says, he says, in the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce, saying, my stuff ain't going to get me in heaven. You have to recognize that. I have no possession that's going to put me in heaven. So I can renounce all that and say, Lord, it's all yours. It's all in your hands. Ain't none of this going to get me in. Renounce all this possession. You can't be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its taste, how will it be made salty? 
It isn't even fit for the soil or manure pile. They throw it out and let everyone, let everyone who has ears to hear listen. If I come and I, and I was like, Lord, I want to live for you and I want to do what's right, but then I ain't willing to go all the way, let me tell you, I lose all savor, all flavor. My saltiness is gone. What the Lord is coming that, to find useful, it's completely gone. I'm unuseful for anything and to be thrown out. That's speaking of eternal judgment, thrown out, right? That's what it's talking about. Uh, turn with me. I realize we're hitting close on time. Turn with me to Second uh, Peter. Um, sorry, no. Turn with me to uh, Luke thirteen. Yeah. All right. having a briefing this thing up. I could go for a while. Uh, verse 24. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. You can go down the broad way through a big door and it'll lead you straight to destruction. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able Why not? Once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door, then you will stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up for us. And he'll answer you, I don't know you or where you're from. Then you'll say, we ate and drank in your presence. I mean, we were invited to that dinner. We went, that, we went a couple of times down there. We ate and drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets. But he'll say, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, all you evildoers. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place. That's the outer darkness, by the way. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out, they will come from east and west, from north and south, to share the banquet, that big dinner, in the kingdom of God. Note this. Some who are, are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 7. And I could just preach Matthew 7 all day right here. I mean, there's so much in it that it's hard not to. But look in uh, verse 13. So we enter in the narrow door, right? Enter in the narrow gate. Climbing the stairway to heaven. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. The easy way. What feels right to me. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life? You find it. Eight people made it on the ark before he destroyed the earth. Eight. He led hundreds of thousands out of Egypt. Only two of them were well-pleasing in his sight enough to get into the promised land. I just want y'all to get these pictures that are being thrown here because I want you to sit here and begin to ask yourself, am I going to be pleasing to God? Is my life going to please Him? And did I give everything to Him? Or did I just go part of the way and quit halfway? 
stunted my own growth. I didn't go all the way with God. I just want you to ask yourself these questions. What's going to be, what's going to become of me if you find this, this way? It says, be on your guard. False prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Jesus telling about these same folks Peter did. I wonder if he knew the same thing. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist told us the axe is already laid at the root of the tree. Just waiting to see what it's going to do. Did y'all know that? He says, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Do you think that's the fires of hell? Do you think that's outer darkness? What do you think he's talking about here? Judgment? The wrath of God? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. What do you mean? Lord, Lord, we go to that church. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name to open the door for us? We prophesied. We were prophets. Didn't we drive out demons? I mean, I, we cast the devil out of that one dude. He says, uh, didn't we do many miracles in your name? And then I'll announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. You see, God wants people to come to him with everything. To give up everything. He doesn't leave room for you to hold on to certain sins. I can tell you now that if you keep holding on to them, more will just be added. If you hold on to your sins, you'll just add more sins to it. You'll go from being a drug addict to a porn addict to a gambling addict. You'll go from greedy to having wealth to blowing wealth and making messes, destroying lives. Or you can come all the way with God. Don't let somebody sit there and hold you in that seat because you're afraid of what they're going to think. Because I want you to know that the, the day of the Lord is coming. I didn't even get to this part over there. But he begins to deal with the hypocrites. And he says to the hypocrites over in chapter 12, you can see when you... Feel this warm breeze, and you look up there at that sky, you can see that it, the day is going to be hot. He said, you hypocrites. What do you do when you see the signs of these times, this perverse generation? We all tell that the days are getting more evil. We're seeing things I thought I'd never see. How many of y'all can raise your hand and say, we're seeing stuff I thought we'd never see in my day? We're all seeing those kind of things. What should that do to you? That should make you say, man, it's got to be getting close. I might make, need to make sure I'm right with him. I might want to start worrying a little bit about knowing 
him completely, being fully in tune to what he's doing so that I don't miss and that day be like a thief to me. Because I want you to know he's coming. And for some, it will be a day that they're overtaken as a thief. For others, it's going to be a glorious day. They're going to know that he is appearing. They're going to see him. Where are you going to be on that day? Will you have went through the narrow door? Will you have went down the narrow path? Or are you on the path that is leading to destruction, that it's going to overtake you like a thief? In a second here, they're fixing to come up here, and they're fixing to begin to play some, some music. And as they do that, I wouldn't worry about what nobody in this building thinks or cares about. I wouldn't let nothing hold me in my seat. If you know you are not right with God today, if you know what would come, you know what's coming, that the day of his coming is coming soon. I wouldn't let anything hold me back from coming down here. I'd run. I'd get down here to the altar. I'd get right. Because I will tell you now, you're given an opportunity now. This, this, the fact he hasn't shown up is salvation to you if you'll take it. If you will partake of that, he will let you in on this banquet. You can come in. He'll heal you. He'll save you. He'll deliver you. He'll set you free from all this stuff that destroys a person.